Hey there, I'm your host, Leslie Randolph. I'm a self-confidence coach for teenage girls and the self-confidence coach you wish you had as a teen. Honestly, I'm the self-confidence coach I wish I had as a teen because I know I could have saved myself and my mother a whole lot of heartache if I'd only known then what I know now. I hope to save you some of that suffering by sharing the lessons I learned late in life right here on Why Didn't They Tell Us. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, happy people. Welcome back to Why Didn't They Tell Us. I'm your host, Leslie Randolph. I'm a confidence coach for teenage girls, the teenage girl that still exists in you. I'm the Coach Chronicles on social media and an eternal work in progress in real life. Yep, that inner teen I talk about is still very much alive and well within me too. (laughs) In my private coaching practice, I've had the privilege of coaching humans 11 to 75 to help them cultivate confidence. If you're not familiar with coaching, you might think this looks like me just like hyping up my clients, like a 45-minute Nike ad of like, just do it. You got it. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. Some days it, it does. It does look like that. But, but in our sessions, we look at goals and what's standing in the way of achieving them. We look at other emotions that take up our precious emotional real estate and then get in the way of self-confidence. We look at real-life scenarios and obstacles that then offer opportunities to create new habits, to create subtle shifts and positive change. And one of those that I have found with a lot of you is clutter and the chaos it creates. Moms, if you're listening, you might be like, yes, I know how my child is feeling based upon the state of their room. And you're right. I've coached so many of you that say your room is a reflection of your mind. For me, it is my junk drawers and my closet and my garage. So honestly, this episode might be more for me than it is for you. But with that in mind, and knowing that this is a universal pain point for so many of us, I brought in an expert to help us declutter our homes so we can in turn declutter our hearts. Because I promise you, messy is a mindset. And with that, I am thrilled to introduce Brooke Milton, aka the Duchess of Declutter. She's a critic, a downsizer, an organizer, a rump shaker. She will tidy your chaos and in turn boost your confidence pronto. Show her your messy side and she will show you a system to get you organized and most importantly, to stay that way. My friends, please join me in welcoming Brooke. Brooke, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I think I'm more excited than you are. Full (laughs) disclosure, Brooke has seen my messy mindset because she has seen my junk drawer, my closet, my <laughs> garage. So so she knows all my dirty laundry. And when I say that, like literally, she's seen it all. So, <laughs> Brooke, why didn't you give, I know I gave you a little bit of an intro, but why don't you tell people a little bit more about you and like how you got to where you are today as the Duchess of Declutter? You know, it's a, it's a very interesting story, if I do say so myself. I was born with OCD. And I can remember back to really about, you know, even three, four, 
arranging stuffed animals, making sure my desk was a certain way, and just being being very particular about my spaces because I felt that was a direct connection to how I could operate day to day. And it manifests itself very differently throughout my life. It's It presents itself, I would say, sometimes it's overstudying and, you know, doing a paper well in advance of the due date or making sure that my closet is absolutely pristine before I can even do anything. And I've come a very, very long way because it, as much as I've, I've said many times that it's a blessing and a curse. It's given me so much opportunity because I am organized and I am on top of things and I really thrive in an environment that is neat and orderly. And the curse part of it is that sometimes I can't function unless it's like that. And that is, it's a little bit limiting, but as an adult, I have found ways to channel my energies in other places so that it's not something that, that holds me back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to just tap on that for a moment because oftentimes we think of something like OCD or we think of something that might be, and you said it so perfectly, it's a blessing and a curse. But notice mm-hmm. how something that could be a shortcoming has also created a very lucrative and thriving business. It's like, I'm going to use this kryptonite and make it my superpower is sort of what Absolutely. Absolutely. I said that the thing that makes me different is my greatest gift. And being an adult is different than being a toddler or a teenager or a young adult in not having certain tools and skills to really tap into it, like you said, where it becomes sometimes a little bit more suffocating. And it's, again, it's limiting because it's that function and paralysis. Like I can't do X because I need everything to be absolutely perfect. And that, that was hard that, I mean, that is hard. That's hard for anybody to do, you know, OCD encompasses so many different, so many different things. Hoarding is OCD. And Mm. when, you know, when, when somebody says, oh, well, that's OCD. I mean, that's, that's a little bit offensive to somebody who struggles with it every single day and doesn't know how to make sense of it. And, you know, somebody who is habitual routine OCD can't do certain things without going through their, their routines. And that could be limiting. And, and without having some way to channel that or getting help or, you know, finding ways to come up with coping skills. I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult. and It's very challenging. Yeah. I, I, I can only imagine. I think I'm obviously, as you've seen my junk drawer in my garage, I'm on the other side of that. Uh, I'm on the other side of that spectrum. But so let's let's talk about that a little bit. So before you sure. became the Duchess of Declutter, what were some of those coping tools to overcome? Because the world is messy, right? Our, we can't always control 
the world, we might be able to control our junk drawers and our rooms and our garages and closets, which is where you come in. But how, what, what coping tools did you develop so that you can move forward day to day? Well, that's actually very interesting. Um, I want to just digress for like a, a half of a second. Um, it, you know, it's not, it, it, when you say coping, it, it, it was for me a coping mechanism in a way, because it was something I could control if if I felt that something was out of sorts or, you know, something was unpleasant in, in my life, whether it be, you know, personally or professionally, I mean, finding something to control, I mean, it became like, a, like my coping mechanism, like almost kind of even worse at times, like I said, it manifests itself differently, like a drug in a way, because you're like, oh, that's going to make me feel really good. And sometimes you abuse it. Mm. Yeah, totally. Totally. So it became a crutch for you. Yeah. I mean, not, not necessarily a crutch. I mean, I, I live and breathe. It's like, it is innately in my blood and this is how I see the world. And I, it wasn't until I was 39 when a therapist said to me, Brooke, it's not your fault. And I was like, what? I mean, I felt people, whether they intended to or not, made me feel bad in a way because I was very particular. I mean, let's just, you know, with whatever you, whatever anybody thinks OCD encompasses is, is, is different than what it actually is. And I was like, huh, well, then I'm going to own it. And it was it was a life-changing moment when somebody said, you know, this is, this is the way you were wired. This is the way you are wired. And I was like, this is the way I see the world. And that was it for me. <clears throat> that was absolutely it. So that was a big it turning like, point for you. And that's incredible. Huge. And thank huge. goodness for that therapist. Cause yeah, oftentimes, again, we can use it against us or we can use what makes us unique and different for us, you know, having yes. that belief that maybe like something's wrong with me, I'm broken versus no, this is my strength. This is my Absolutely. power to lean into it. Absolutely. And it is, it's liberating. It's absolutely liberating. And I wish that so many other people could experience something like that if they're feeling something that makes them different is holding them back. Yeah. You have to, I mean, you were so lucky to have a therapist to kind of hold your hand and have you almost like turn your head to shift that perspective on what made you, you. Now at 39, Absolutely. is that when you started, is that when you started the, the Duchess of Declutter? Is that when you started your business? It wasn't when I started ironically, but it was, you know, really coming into my own, like I said, and owning it and really diving deep into it is a, you know, I, it's not a hobby. It's not a passion. I mean, it's a passion of mine, but I mean, I function this way day to day and it just became like, just, I can't experience. It was like somebody telling you, you got this. I mean, do it like absolutely 
do it. And, and it was like, I just went to the next level. I'm going to take us back for one moment because now I'm curious. Before this revelation, before this embracing of it, like when you found yourself, and, and please correct my language, okay, in a, um, in a moment of it, right? When you were in the thick of it, were you, I mean, how did you talk to you? I'm just curious. I mean, was it yeah. that what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? It's like I knew, I mean, let's just use an example. It's feeling the need to clean an entire house that is really not dirty before that I, I can even leave the house. And as I'm doing it, I'm like, I know I don't need to be doing this, but I had to do it so that I could function. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, I want the dishes in the sink. I want the pillows fluffed before I go to bed. I don't want to come downstairs in the morning and have everything be out of sorts. It's It sets the tone for the day. And it's very similar in that. It's just, a cal it's calming. It's very settling to me. I feel very right. In, I can't explain it. I feel very right in my body when things are a certain way. I think that that resonates even for me as I'm thinking about like when COVID happened and we all shifted from, at least for me at that point in my life, I was working in a, a corporate office and all of a sudden, mm -hmm. you know, my home became my office. And I was very aware of before I sat down at my computer, exactly what you said. The dishes needed to be done. The laundry needed to be put away. Otherwise, it was kind of just like hanging over my head. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't fully focus on the task at hand because I was like, well, there's like my to-do list and the chaos and clutter of my home was exactly that, like eating up kind of that emotional real estate, which I needed for focus and to be able to do my job. Yes. And as you and I have discussed many times in our amazing conversations, <clears throat> the, um, the mental and emotional clutter is often way more significant than the physical. It is so all-consuming and it goes most of the time unrecognized that it's not necessarily about a stack of papers or a pile of laundry. It's what's going on in occupying your headspace so that you can get to that point of the physical of dealing with the physical. Absolutely. And and I, I I know Brooke and I have talked about this and I don't know for sure I've shared it on uh, on the show. So I'm just going to offer this. You know, we, we talk about like the circumstances of the world, right? So for in this instance, the circumstance of the paper on the desk or the laundry or the dishes. And, and there's in coaching, there's this thought of, well, you can change your circumstances or you can change your thinking. And I think a lot of times we kind of beat ourselves up and think, well, I should be able to function in this room, even though it's, you know, a total mess, or I should be able to function with the papers on the desk. But, you know, my coaching mentor had said once, if you can change the circumstances of your life to feel better, do it. And especially if it's an easy fix, you know, I'm not telling everyone <laughs> we can't trade in our kids. We typically can't trade in our partners or our spouses or the family we were born into. But if you can do something to make yourself feel a little bit better, I beat yourself up for doing that. So I think that that's also mm -hmm. part of it of like, so clean up. So do the dishes, do the, do the laundry, 
it's going to make you feel better and free up that emotional real estate because now you, if, if you don't and you're beating yourself up, now you have that additional voice in your head being like, why can't you function like this? I should be able to. Mm-hmm. And that takes over too. That becomes that emotional, you know, that becomes an emotional drain on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, and, it's, and it's hard. And, it's, and it's, then it's the analysis paralysis. And totally. not being able to execute because it's going to take so much energy and effort to get to that point. Well, it's easier for me not to do it so it doesn't get done. And that's, that's, the, that's the thinking. 100%. Because, and I, I say this often, like overwhelm is an overwhelming emotion. So if you look at mm-hmm. your room or you look at your desk and it's like there's too much and you feel overwhelmed, exactly what Brooke said, you're not going to do it. And now that is more overwhelm because you haven't done it. You haven't dealt with it. And so we often do. We get stuck. We get stuck in chaos and clutter. So in that situation, what I recommend is not looking at the room or the area or the project collectively, but having to break it down into very, very small pieces, very digestible pieces, and starting with a very quick win, which is 10 to 15 minutes, and grabbing a pile or doing something in the space, and even if it's super small, and chipping away at it, so that you're not looking at it I mean, if you look at a box full, I mean, a box, a basement full of boxes, I mean, it could take a long time for people. So it's one box at a time, one box. If you can just do one box, great. And then if you can do another box, great. But if you're not even in a good headspace to deal with it, then it's not even worth it at that point. So you have to be in a good headspace to deal with something that's not fun, that's not exciting, that's not, you know, I mean, for me, I, I think it's amazing and I love it. Um, people are like, I don't know how you do this every day. I'm like, I literally love it. Um, and, the, and it's exhausting. And it's and like you said, it's draining. But if you can start small, very, very small and just collect a couple of, of quick wins, it becomes easier. Yeah. Yeah. But I assume when people call you, they're not in a good headspace. Absolutely. Uh huh. I don't think I really catch anybody as their best self because what I'm dealing with is causing so much frustration and anxiety and stress it doesn't bring out the best in people. So there's a lot of those mixed emotions in the space. But I will say that once it's done, it's like, it's like, wow, I can breathe. And there's a huge energy shift and it makes a huge difference. It's really a life, invest- it's, an, it's a, a lifestyle investment. It is so important. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've obviously experienced it firsthand and I totally I, – I, that deep breath you took, I remember taking that deep breath. Because in addition to some of those emotions that you talked about, I think there's also probably some shame of mm-hmm. how did I and, – and obviously, there's different levels of everything. Um, but 
for some, like, how did I get here? How did I let it uh-huh. get so bad? And the first thing I tell people and- is, so what? So what? Because you're going to beat yourself up, not going to do anything. I, you made the call, and that's so important, and I'm here, and I'm your partner, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to ask you the right questions. But it, the first step is overcoming a little bit of that shame and embarrassment. A lot of people say, I'm so embarrassed. I said, you have nothing to be embarrassed about. I mean, you're doing, you're doing the right thing right now. And it's, it's also people will not pull the trigger because they're so embarrassed. And I have to ask people to send me pictures sometimes. And they're like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, well, first, everything is confidential, but nothing to be embarrassed about. Yeah, I think that's so common. I, I mean, I, I, I'm still thinking because I, I too, I too. But that shame, that embarrassment, all those emotions—they either can mm-hmm. propel you or they can paralyze you. And so, Absolutely. If, they, if you allow them to propel you forward and make the call to a brook or to to say, "I'm going to do one box today," and then and then that creates some momentum, right? And mm-hmm. it creates room for new emotions, like accomplishment and pride of like, I did the one box. Maybe I could do another. Mm -hmm. Or I did the one box and that's great for today. I'm so proud of me. Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. So we, when we make room in our homes, we make room for everything else. So Brooke, tell me like, I know, I I know because I know how busy you are and I know, I've heard this from clients, you know, who come to me for confidence and, and where we start often is them saying like, my room is such a mess. So why do you think this is such a common struggle for us? I don't know how to answer that other than to say life is messy. Life is really messy. And it's easier not to do something. And when life gets in the way, you know, it's like, well, okay, I'm not going to get to the laundry or I'm not going to check my mail. I mean, same thing with digital clutter. It piles up to a point that it gets really overwhelming. And then it's like, okay, I'm not really, I'm not going to do anything. I can't really say for certain why I think it's that way other than it's hard. It's hard to stay on top and maintain if you don't, if you're not used to it. Like a lot of people will say to me, I would have never thought of that. Or, oh, that makes perfect sense. Well, because that's the way my brain is wired. But I don't know how to perform surgery. I don't know how to to do taxes. So, you know, you sometimes have to rely on a professional to tap into the expertise and understand how to deal with certain things. And... That's really where I would say it's better to seek guidance than try and come up with something yourself and try and do it because you'll have more success having a toolbox than just be like, ah, I'm going I'm to go dive deep into my basement and figure it out. Well, I think sometimes that could work, but most of the time successfully, it's better to have like asking yourself the right questions and, and 
knowing what the criteria is for keeping certain things and throwing things out and donating. And it helps to have somebody objective. A lot of people will be like, I'll bring my sister, my mom, my friend. Well, you'll end up talking most of the time. Um, But uh, it's easier when there's somebody who's so detached from your life that can ask you objective questions. That's so true. That's so true. Because yeah, we often uh, assign an emotional and sentimental value to our things that then makes it very hard to say, I'm going to pitch it or donate it or no, it has to stay. Because every, mm-hmm. and then especially if you bring in your mom and your sister, it's like, no, grandma gave you that. You can't. And it's like, well, oh, absolutely. I mean, I and so I read something very interesting. I'm probably going to butcher it, but we are rewarded with gifts. If we do something, reward, we're rewarded with a gift of some sort. We do something while at work, we're we're rewarded with a trophy, a plaque. It's always a thing. And so we become very attached to those things because they are connected to something perhaps good in our life or maybe even just a special time. And it's hard for people to separate that emotion and feeling with the physical item. Like the physical item could go away and you could still feel really good about your accomplishments. But for people, it's hard to say, well, so-and-so gave me that and I I just can't give it away. Well, you can, you can, you just don't want to. And And because you don't want to, yeah. And because you don't want to with this thing, that thing, that thing, that's why. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It's it's that, it's the guilt, and it's the what ifs and the maybes. And that's that's huge. So Brooke, I, I want to stick with this for a moment. So how do you coach someone through that? I mean, can you? Do you? Yes. I think it's actually, it's about understanding, first of all, getting on somebody's level very authentically because I do, it's not a show. I mean, really being, you know, tell me, tell me what you're feeling. Like what, what happened? Like, what is this about for you? And talking through it. And sometimes the answer is absolutely keep it. I'm not, I mean, I love getting rid of things, but I'm not about to say that somebody can't have like, I don't know. a a statue or a little ornament because it represents something very significant in their lives or or somebody that's very significant in their lives. But if we are going to keep everything, then there's no point. So what is the criteria for keeping something? Is it important? Is it special? Is it something you could live without? How long have you had it? How have you not touched it? You know, I was doing a closet yesterday and there were many beautiful dresses were unearthed because they couldn't be seen. And it's like, well, I've gone that long without wearing them, but it's like, oh, but maybe. Well, sure. I mean, the difference between want and need is so significant. So at some point you have to say, I can, I can deal without it. I mean, I have others. I have definitely others and I can, and I have been fine without it for this long. If you go into a basement and you've not opened up a box for 10 years, chances are there are a lot of things in there that you don't need. 
but you go through it and you're like, well, yeah, I could see that. And I maybe want that. And that's okay to have your maybes, but you do have to go through the maybes. It's trying to identify what is important. What is something that you want to hang on to versus I can let it go because I'm okay. It it represents a beautiful memory, but I don't need that item to make me feel a certain way about that memory. And, you know, pictures are hard. Mementos are hard. You know, a lot of people have memory boxes, college t-shirts and what stuff. Well, that's, it's just stuff. I mean, it, at the end of the day, this is all stuff. So it's like, how much stuff do you want occupying your brain space? Because mm-hmm. it's not, I so, mean, I'm just going to drill it home. It's not just the brains. It's not just in your drawer and in your closet. It is taking up mental energy. A hundred percent. And that is what goes undiagnosed. It's, it becomes about my pantry's too full and I can't find any of my platters and I can't find my sweater. Well, sure, you can't because you do have too much, but it's also what's going on in your head so that we can get to the point where you can clear it out. So I really try to understand what the situation is and I'm, you and I have talked about this. I'll know very quickly after I leave if a system is going to be maintained. It's about habits. And it's not hard to walk into a situation and say, okay, you know, there's some difficult habits to break, but the systems don't work if the habits don't change. Like you're only, your systems are only as good as you're willing to keep them. They're not magic. So you do have to maintain it. If it, you know, if you clear out all the toys, great. But if you like after holidays and birthdays and you bring it in and it comes back to how it was before, well, that's because you're not you're not filtering it and you're not dealing with it the way that you the, the way you should be because it's it's all about, you know, I, I, I do have people I will say I, that I they're like, Brooke, you're on my shoulder. I'm going to the store and I'm like, ah, Brooke would say not to get it. Well, you have to also question yourself again, this want versus need. I mean, you can go to Target and Home Goods and be like, yeah, I want all of this, but do you need it? No. No, you don't. Yeah. And that's so hard, particularly at a Target or a Home Goods, because you do. You Absolutely. Want it. And there's a like a dopamine hit that comes with bringing something new into your home, at least for me. I know I get a dopamine hit, and this is something that I've worked on too, of when I buy something new. And so mm-hmm. I I trade out that long-term reward of clear and calm for that dopamine hit, which then adds to the clutter. So it's, yeah, it's training your brain of, do I want this? Do I need mm-hmm. it? And and which do am I going to let win today? Exactly. And it's their time. Listen, their time. Oh, my gosh. I can't go to Target with my children and not buy something. And that's hard. And that's why I try not to go with them ever. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't think there are any hard and fast rules. Like, I'm going to go buy a sweater, so I have to get rid of a sweater. You have to have some criteria for filtering, filtering things in and out of your house, though. 
you know, I haven't worn it in a season. Well, okay, but you know, life might have been different in that season. So I have to say there are really no hard and fast rules around well, like clothes and it has to be about, I think, more about circumstances and what you're, like how your life is. Like, I think as we get older, we entertain differently. So we don't necessarily need a thousand platters and a thousand serving bowls and three sets of china. And I mean, I don't think anybody's really buying china at this point. And think about how you're living and what you can deal with. What can what can be cut out and you'd still be fine? Yeah, it wouldn't impact day-to-day. You wouldn't feel exactly. that loss. There's so much extra. There's so much extra stuff. And when we get down to the essentials, we'd be just fine. People think we need we need more than we do. We don't. We need very little. So I know you said there are no hard and fast rules, but can you give us some, can you give us some tips for how, how people can start creating small changes today? And I think that there's two categories here. One is that mental piece of question, great questions to ask yourself, um, you know, some of those, some of those rules to follow. But then I think there's also the practical side of, you know, starting with one box in the basement. So take take one of those roads and lead us down it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call them rules. I would call them guidelines. Because I think when we, th- we talk about rules, we think it's very finite and very structured. And I think this has to be a very fluid process. There's always an evolution to projects. Even the best projects can be redone. There's always more to do because as you use your systems, you're like, oh, well, I haven't touched X, Y, Z. I can probably edit more. And once you clear out your closet and it's really tight and organized, you'd be like, oh, well, I haven't even touched this area or I'm not wearing that dress. I'm not wearing that sweater. And it becomes easier once there's less commotion and less chaos to deal with because your choices are easier. So I think I would say... The questions to ask yourself are, do I really need it? And by need it, will it interrupt or help day to day, like you were saying? I mean, essentials, I'm not going to get obviously food and toilet paper and all that kind of stuff, but like there's so much extra. So it's like, well, how much extra do you want? Because then if it's like, at what point do you draw the line? And it's also about having the right home for things too. I mean, if there, if you don't have the right home, it just, it piles up in random places. So it's really looking at the whole house or space office, whatever it is collectively and saying, okay, I might not have the right storage. I might not have the right supplies. Although if you walk into the container store, you're probably going to buy what you don't need. So I would just be very careful about that. Um, But looking at the space first and identifying how to tackle it, like to break it down. I I would say if my, my number one tip would probably be to break it down and say, what can I do? If I want to set like a decluttering plan for myself, 
and I'm going to do it myself, I'm going to give myself, I'm going to block out a half an hour a day. It doesn't have to be consecutive days. Probably better that it's not at first, unless it becomes contagious, which it often does. And see what what, what can be done in a half an hour. And that is like no phone, turn on some music, and really focus in on a box, a pile, a stack of clothes, whatever it is, and see how you can cycle through it and asking yourself, do I really need this? It's hard. I mean, it's really hard. And like I said, it's so circumstantial to everybody. But again, this need versus want is is what I would be would be top of mind for me. It's so good. And and I also love that you were like, <laughs> and you didn't say this, but like, make it fun. And I tell my clients that too, of if the process is a punishment, you are not yep. going to do it. Oh, that is absolutely true. It is and I you know I try to put my clients at ease. I try to make jokes whether or not they laugh at them is a different story. But to really just get personal and like this is not again, it's not a punishment. It's it, it, I mean, I again I think this it's it's thrilling for me, but it's not for everybody. And it's it, it's exhausting and draining. So whatever you can do, you're right, to make it more palatable will make it easier. Yeah, throw on some music, bring Brooke, let her tell you some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, you yeah. could, you could have a friend, but it, you just probably won't get as much done. That's all. <laughs> but but if, and if you don't need to get that much done, right? If you're not in that dire place, like when I called Absolutely. Brooke, I was in the place of like, I had told myself over and over and over again, do not call someone to help you. You can do this yourself. But then I had a really honest moment of, I can do this myself, but I haven't. And now it's, and, and it's, and it's taking up too much. It was too much mm-hmm. in my head and heart. And I was like, I, I'm going to call someone to help me. I'd rather invest my money and a small amount of time than my emotional well-being. Um, Absolutely. We, that is so true. Right. And, and then, because I had a little bit of that momentum and I had some of that, you know, as you said, that broke on my shoulder, I have then since been like been able to look at a drawer or my closet with that same kind of mindset because it is a mindset to be able to to create these changes. Um, mm-hmm. Brooke, what are some, I mean, my, I know we don't like rules, guidelines, but are there any absolute no-nos? or must-dos when someone is ready to create some of these changes in their lives? That's a very challenging question. Um, I'd have to say, don't let guilt get in the way. That's 100%. a huge one for me. I... I I really encounter that quite often is my mom gave me this, my sister gave me this, my cousin, my aunt. I mean, obviously, if it's from a grandma or somebody that was super special and that is your like, that is your thing to connect to them, absolutely keep it. But it's like the platter for the birthday or the wine glass or stuff. No, you don't need that. It was, you know, you unless you know exactly what somebody wants, you always are taking a gamble when you give it to them. Like, oh, I think so-and-so is going to like it. But if they don't, 
and they feel the need to keep it, that's clutter accumulation. So it's don't, I would say, don't let guilt get, get in the way for sure. That is, that is a must for me because again, unless it's like that super special connection to somebody who is unfortunately maybe no longer alive or very far away, that's okay. But it's like how many of those random gifts do you want occupying your brain space? I read something very interesting and it said your car is a direct connection to how your brain is functioning. How is your brain doing? (laughs) Oh my goodness. If anyone remembers me from high school and my car, it was, I mean, my, my backseat and my trunk could clothe probably a small village. I mean, I don't even want to think about what it was, but 100% so it was a reflection of my mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, and it's just, it's so interesting. And I think I, I and, and the reason I guess I, I bring it up is because it's, it carries itself, not just in our houses, but in our car, like it's traveling with us at all times. And there has to be a way to to deal with it. And I, I guess it really didn't have anything to do with the with the guilt part of it, other than I think that I would just take a very cohesive look at everything in your life before you get started. Like what's what's going on? Like where am I at? And there are a lot of other fat like again, it's not the stuff. It's connections with people. It's how work is going. It's, it's health of family members. It's a lot of other stuff. And when you have that stuff, it's hard to be like, okay, I'm just going to go into the basement and start looking through my keepsakes. So that's why some people will, will call a professional because then it holds it, holds them accountable. They're like, oh, she's going to come on Thursday. I am going to get this done. I, I'm the time is already carved out, it's going to get done. I think that leads perfectly into, you know, if someone hangs hangs up like we're on a phone call right now, if someone finishes today's episode and feels that that motivation and that like, I'm going to do it, where do they start? If they're ready to do it themselves, where would you tell them to begin? I know this is going to sound a little counterintuitive, but I would actually go to the hardest, most daunting place in your house if that's a basement, a garage, an attic, wherever there is the most congestion. Because once you get through the hard part, everything else is so much easier. It's like you've already done the hard stuff. You can deal with the small junk drawer. You can deal with the pantry. I mean, maybe the pantry is the worst part of your house. I don't know. But, you know, I would go for the deepest, darkest, hardest part of the house. The deepest, darkest part sounds so the ominous. scariest. She's seen my garage, you guys. She's seen my the garage. Scariest. I really <laughs> it think is. it does. It makes everything else so much easier to deal with because you're like, got it, done it, all good. Yeah, and it, yeah, you have evidence of what you're capable of achieving once you've done that. But you said at the beginning, you're, so you're not saying like, y'all go down to the basement or go into the garage and knock it out today, right? Like you're saying go to the biggest, baddest, darkest place and start with one box. Mm-hmm. One corner, right. one pile, whatever it is. 
And you said at the beginning, give yourself a, a designated amount of time. Do you, I mean, in my head, I think that that's really key of like from one to two, phone is gone unless I'm listening to, why didn't they tell us? Or, <laughs> or, music, <laughs> <Exactly>. or, <laughs> or something to make it more enjoyable, but from one to mm-hmm. two, non-negotiable. Because everyone can give it an hour, right? Or a half an hour or 10 minutes, whatever you decide is your mm-hmm. time frame. Even if you want to sit in front of the TV with a stack of mail that you haven't gone through and go keep, recycle, shred, keep, recycle, shred, whatever it is, I mean, that's going to make a big difference. It's little, these little mini decluttering sessions can make, can be so impactful because again, it's like, oh, I have to do this. I don't want to do this. It's an hour. It's two hours, whatever it is. But if you could do it for 10 or 15 minutes, you can do it. And then you're like, oh, okay, that wasn't that bad. Or maybe it was bad. I don't know. (laughs) But you did it. I mean, ultimately you did it, right? And the reward was worth the effort when you look at the clean basement or just you see those boxes slowly, you know, getting less and less. It becomes that becomes the reward. It's not always going to be fun mm-hmm. unless you're Brooke. And thank goodness for people yep. like Brooke, because for me it isn't fun. But you know what is fun? <laughs> clean closet. That's right. That's right. <laughs> clean closet for sure. Um, so we are going to start with a corner. We're going to go to the dark, biggest, baddest place. We're going to start with small. Collect some small wins. Now, in terms of maintenance, yes. right? Because. If we invest the time or we invest the money with someone like you to come, how do we keep it going? It's a very good question. Again, I will say, and this is so important, your systems are only are only going to work if you're willing to maintain them. So if you don't maintain them, don't expect be like, oh, well, this didn't work. Well, of course it didn't work because you didn't want you you didn't you didn't put in the effort. So, I mean. I tr- I personally try to create very easy, intuitive, visible, accessible systems. If it becomes too much brain work or guessing, it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging, especially if life is messy and hard and think a lot of things are going on. So, I would say, if there's a system in place, if a system has been created for you and you feel it can work for you. My, my, my wish is for people to, to try to maintain it as best as they can. And life, like I said, gets in the way sometimes, but if there is a system there, it will be pretty easy to put it back together. So how, how, how to maintain? Well, you have to want, number one, you have to want to do it. And I would say, probably not not to introduce more into the space until you feel comfortable with what has been set so if you're if somebody does a pantry for you and you know exactly where everything goes and then you over shop or you go to Costco don't get me started on Costco and you buy more than you need i mean again without parties and and entertaining and all that kind of stuff you know, yeah, it's going to be hard. You're overloading a space. You're stressing a space. Like your your closets and cabinets and drawers and garages and basements can only hold so much. And I think what I what I see is they get so stressed 
and they are and people are using them beyond their means. Like you have a finite space to work with, but it is holding the capacity that is beyond what it is intended to hold. That's a problem. Mm. So, re- so really identifying what can this space accommodate and trying to stay within those limits. Like you want to get into, like in a pantry, you want to get into a uh, replenishment rotation system. If you have eight bags of goldfish, that's enough. That's enough. You don't need to dump the whole Costco size box into a bin. That is absolutely enough. And when that gets low or depleted, you replenish. There has to be some way to streamline it enough that it's easy and then get into a replenishment system. Y'all, the same is true with that beautiful brain of yours. It oh, absolutely. So much space and so much bandwidth. So clear the clutter there. And that can start with simply cleaning out the junk drawer. I mean, absolutely. You're spot on. You are spot on. The parallels are too much. You guys, I feel like we just kind of like even just grazed the surface of today. There's so much more I could ask, Brooke, but I'm going to leave you hanging. All right. Uh, Brooke, unless there's anything else, one final word of wisdom that you would want to tell our lovely listeners um, before we sign off today. You can do it. You can absolutely do it. I believe that everybody can do it. It's just, again, like you said, and with, I mean, you're like the best person to talk to about this is getting to the right headspace to deal with it. Yes, you can. I love that, Brooke. Y'all, really quickly, for what it's worth, Brooke and I live down the street for each other. We talk about this stuff all the time, not just when she's, no, when she's cleaning out my <laughs> closet, she puts on a very different hat. But we, we do. We talk about this all the time. So if this is of interest to you, if you love what you heard today, if you're with me and you're like, wait, I have so many more questions and I want to know more, shoot us a message. We've, we've toyed with doing like a master class. We'd love to bring that to you or we'll have Brooke back on the show with more because while we're, you know, it's the season of spring cleaning, this is oh, year yes. round. This is lifelong mm-hmm. because, you know, <laughs> life is messy. Um, but your car and your closet and your garage doesn't have to be. So whether it's you going to tackle it alone or you call the Dutch the Declutter, all of her contact information is going to be in the show notes today so that you know where to find her. Or if you, you know, love looking at very clean spaces, you can just, you know, lust after her Instagram because it is lust worthy. Uh, we didn't even talk about the design piece of her business, um, but there's a lot. So why didn't they tell us that messy is a mindset? I don't know. Why didn't they tell us that our spaces are a reflection of what is happening in our heads and hearts? And that when you even make small changes to the environment around you, you are making small changes to your mm-hmm. whole life. Absolutely. Brooke, thank, you. thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Till- Till next time, my friends. Love what you hear? Well, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at confidencecoachforgirls.com. That's confidencecoachforgirls.com. Or email me at lesliethelifecoach at gmail.com. That's lesliethelifecoach at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you.